Welcome to God's Toolbox, the Bible. Here we connect the dots between God's Word and your real life experiences, challenges, and successes. Join us as we all get closer to living out God's purposes and His abundant life designed just for us. God bless you. afternoon. So glad I made it. I made it through. Welcome to our noonday service today. It's a little overcast here, but we are blessed because God is in control of all things and we just thank him and praise him. Let us begin in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come together as a body of believers to worship you, and to praise you. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in the midst of us and how you're growing us up. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We ask right now that your Holy Spirit come into this place. Speak through me, Lord, that your people may hear from you. 
And Lord, we pray for those bereaved families that we know today, families of families of Brother Willie Butler and Brother Ron Easton, Brother Brian Lowry and Sister Shirley Domacase. Lord, cover them with your love and your kindness and protect them and give them a sense of peace. We thank you on today. We pray, Lord, for the healing of Brother Reuben Small and for that of the brother of Sister April Billings. We pray, Lord, that you would touch them from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet and that you would allow healing to take place should that be your desire on today. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing right now. And we ask that you would touch your people and let them know that you are real and that you are large and in charge and that you will show up on our behalf at all times. We thank you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, our word comes from the book of Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. And I would say to you during your devotional time, your Bible reading time, if you will read and and, and meditate and study Acts chapter 17 verses 16 through 34. 16 through 34. It's a complete story of what we're preaching today, but I'm only going to read Acts chapter 17, verses 22 and 23. From the New International Version, this is what it says. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Now what you worship as something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. Our subject for today is to the unknown God, to the unknown God. You see, the backstory is that Paul had been preaching in the Jewish synagogues in Thessalonica and Berea. And Thessalonica was a wealthy city. The word spread quickly. Churches were planted there. Many people believed, but as always, there were many people who were jealous of Paul, and a mob chased him from the city. So he also preached in a city called Berea, along with Silas and Timothy. And when those people from Thessalonica heard that Paul was in Berea, Many of them, the haters, came and they stirred up trouble and were in agitation there. And so some believers scurried Paul away and took him to the coast of Athens, a place that he had not planned to go to, to wait there for Silas and Timothy to come. 
But the kind of person Paul was while he waited, he sightseed. He noticed that the city of Athens was full of idols. And even though he was struck by the beauty of the city, his spirit was pricked by these idols the people were worshiping. He preached everywhere he went. Athens was a university town. The culture was a ripe atmosphere for teaching and learning. Athens was full of learned men, philosophers, many of whom aligned themselves with the Epicurean philosophy of living a life of pleasure. Eat, drink, live, for tomorrow we die. Others in Athens were deep thinkers. They aligned themselves with the Stoics who were very much in harmony with nature. And they were very self-disciplined. They denied themselves many of the personal pleasures that the Epicureans sought after. So you had thinkers and you had philosophers. And these people sat around discussing topics and waiting for the next best thing to come around. Really, they longed for something real and authentic like we all do. Don't we have people sitting around today discussing things? How many shows do we have like The View and, and, and all of these just shows where people just sit around and they talk about topics? Daily Blast, all these shows. But they're really looking for something real and something authentic, something money can't buy. God is created into our, he created into our DNA, his person, his personality. And we cannot be satisfied apart from God. You hear it all the time, people searching for something deep, some some other meaning for life, something more than what they have. They're really looking for God. That's what they're looking for. So here comes Paul preaching about a foreign God to these Gentiles. They listened and they were intrigued. He preached everywhere, and he saw their idols all over the city. They had gods to everything and everywhere. It was said by some historians that there were over 30,000 public statues in Athens. It was easier to find a god, the statue of a god, than a man, to find a real man in Athens. It was a city that had been given wholly over to idolatry. So Paul was invited 
to address the governmental assembly of Athens. The Council of Areopagus. It was at a place called Mars Hill, and he addressed them, and as he was addressing them, they could look down and see many of the idols that they worshipped. According to Greek philosophy, these idol gods ruled mankind, and they were fickle and easily irritated. They had to be appeased with sacrifices and selfish pleasures. Things like prostitution and sexual acts in their temples, or else they punished man with bad luck and disease, storms, plagues, you name it. So the people who worshiped these idols were always trying to get into their favor and their graces. But Paul, being a disciple of Jesus, knew that these were just idol gods with no powers, no ability to do anything. And before you judge these people too harshly, I want you to think about the gods that we serve the great Facebook God, where we seek to get as many followers as possible by looking as good as we can and looking like we have it all together. Oh, oh, you don't, you don't, you don't do Facebook. Okay. So maybe for you, it's Instagram or Twitter, TikTok or Clubhouse. Maybe it's not social media. Maybe it's the God of fashion or technology, the technology God. Do you serve Apple or Google or the great God of materialism? You get the point. So here Paul begins his speech. Before all of these high-powered, learned men of Athens. Paul is no dummy. He was a learned man himself. Brought up with the best of training. He knew the Old Testament Bible, which was the Bible of that day, inside and out. He was a great orator. Great writer. And he was full of the Holy Spirit. He used a strategy to pull them in. Starting with common ground. Then giving examples. And moving them to a decision for Christ. As we witness for Jesus we probably want to use this strategy as well. And Paul's speech made several key points. He said to them, let me tell you about this unknown God. He says, he's not made by man's hands. You can't fashion this God into any kind of shape or, 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 or figure or something that 
that we can make. He's not served by us, not not as far as being sustained by us. He doesn't need anything from us. He is God all by himself. And we don't serve him because he needs us to satisfy his needs. No, our God is not sustained by us. We're just merely the creation. He is the creator. And he says, God gives life. We live and breathe and have our being because of God. We didn't create ourselves. God did it. Just ask a man or a woman who have tried to have a child and couldn't have one. Why? Because we don't we don't have that control. Only God does. God controls all things. But he is near to us. Even though he's apart from us, he is near to us. He is right here with us at all times. And if we have accepted Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit lives inside of us, with us, leading us, guiding us. We are God's children and we do what we do. We have what we have because we are enabled and empowered by him. And if he removes his hand from us, we're no good. God controls the very breath that we take, the very beat that our heart makes. And when he says stop, that's it. That's it. So we need to come back to him. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all born under the sin of Adam, Adam and Eve. But God has given us a choice. We can come back to him. We're all prodigals, but we can come back to God. By accepting Jesus Christ as our substitute on the cross. He died in our place. Now, Paul didn't say all of this the way I'm saying it. But in essence, he did. He talked to them in language that they understood. And he ended by saying that God will judge us all one day. And that is a fixed day that only God the Father knows. That's a sermon for all of us. That was essentially Paul's speech to the Athenians. A Gentile people who did not know the one and only true living God. We live in a Christian country. For most of us, there's a church on every corner. Churches next door to each other, across the street from each other. 
But do we understand that God is chasing after us because he loves us and desires a relationship with us? And it's for our own good. We know of God. But do we know him? Do we know him for ourselves? This is your decision time, just like it was theirs. And what happened there will most likely be what happens whenever you, as a witness for Jesus Christ, talk to anyone else about him. What happened? When Paul finished his speech to the Athenians, some of them mocked him. They were utterly offended by the things that Paul said to them. How dare you? Isn't that what people say to us today when we, we say to them what the Bible thus says the, the word of God? Some people are offended by God's word. Some will believe, convicted of their sinful ways and wanting to be transformed. Some of those in Athens were. Some mocked, some believed, and then some put off making a decision. Some put off making a decision. either genuinely desiring to hear more, to know more, and some put it off simply because they couldn't or they just would not make a decision for God. And that's the way it is now. But you can't control other people. What you can do is plant the seed. Plant the seed of belief. So why this sermon today? Why now? What's in it for you? Most of you on this line, in this service today, are already believers. But our world is full of Athenians. Learned people great philosophers, thinkers, smart men and women who are looking and searching for something. But what and who they are really looking for is God. So you are their Paul. You're Paul for them. And you need to be ready to witness to preach if possible, to talk to them, to counsel them, but to be effective yourself. You must be sure of what you believe. You must be sold out for Christ, just like Paul was. Paul was run out of many cities, stoned almost to death, beaten, but he, but he believed what he believed, and he was sold out for Jesus Christ. That has to be you. 
And then you must be able to articulate what you say you believe. What is it you believe? Can you tell somebody else how Jesus died on the cross in your place and in their place? How God wrapped his deity up and came to earth to show us how to live. The man, Jesus Christ, walked this earth preaching and teaching and healing and transforming lives. Can you tell somebody about that? And then finally, you have to know that you witness both with what you say and what you do. Because just like people are hearing what you say, they're watching what you do. To the unknown God. That is God, the one and only true God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this word on today that reminds us, Lord, that there's so many that don't know you, that don't know you as their Lord and Savior. So many that are seeking and searching and unsure and they don't know what turn to make. They don't even know who they are. They don't understand their purpose in life. And they're they're just walking around blindly, looking, looking, seeking, searching. And that for some of us, we are the ones to witness to them. We must stand in the gap for them. We must be the beacon, the light of hope, the one that teaches, that shows, that preaches, that talks, that guides them. So Lord, strengthen us. Grow us up. Help us to have the right words, to know the right strategy, to know how to reach our fellow man for you. We thank you for what you've done in our lives. And Lord, we ask you to help us to be salt and light to others. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you on today for being present. I appreciate all of you as always. I hope the word has meant something to you and that you will go out and be a witness to someone else who really needs to see Jesus today. Let us repeat our benediction. To know him and the power of his resurrection. To share in his sufferings and be like him in death. Amen. God bless you.